Please turn, if you have a Bible, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we are returning to our study of the second half of this letter, the book of Ephesians. And kids, just as a reminder, there are outlines over there on the table, and I make those, or Joshua makes those as well, with fill in the blanks, so you can fill in those blanks and track along with the sermon. So I encourage you, kids, pick one of those up, fill in the blanks. If you are too young to fill in the blanks, draw a picture. I get some great pictures on Sundays, so encourage you to do so. Sarah's going to come and read our passage for us from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one, of one another out of reverence for Christ. Thank you, Sarah, very much. A few weeks ago, I was able to visit my mom in South Carolina. She has a small condo that is adjacent to a golf course. And so my stepfather and my mom wanted to play a round of golf while I was visiting. Glad to. However, I had not played golf in at least eight years. Nonetheless, on two occasions, while teeing off with the driver, I hit that sweet spot in the driver, that ping, and the ball went straight down the fairway. Hundreds of yards, perhaps. Maybe not hundreds. Another, another time, Teeing off on a par three with a seven iron. Hit that baby right on the green. Those three strokes were amazing. The others, not so amazing. In the lake, in the woods, on the fairway of the adjacent hole, it was a reminder to me that golf Golf is not complicated. You just get the little ball in the hole. It's not a complicated game, but it's not easy. Golf is not complicated, but it's not easy. The Christian life is just like that. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. In this chapter, we're told in verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us. In chapter 5, verse 8, walk as children of light, morally speaking now. In verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, how you live. Not all that complicated, not hard to understand. So you might be tempted to say, I got this. I can do this on my own. I got this. No problem. And if you're saying that this morning, if that's your reaction, you're not understanding that like golf, 
It may not be complicated, but that does not mean it's easy. If you are a Christian, you live your life in the midst of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the moral order opposed to God, bombarding us 24-7 with seductive messages to live for the here and the now only, to get all you can only. The flesh, our remaining sin, our inbred propensity to rebel, an enemy we carry around with us all day, every day. And the devil, a powerful, evil, spiritual being prowling around like a lion, we're told, looking to devour you. Listen, the Christian life is lived in a war zone. War within and war without. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. Maybe you're here and you're feeling that acutely. You feel discouraged, worn out, weary, defeated, maybe wanting to give up. God does not want you there. I believe he wants to meet you this morning. You see, the the I got this approach is not realistic. And the I give up approach is not appropriate either. So how? How are we to live out this high and holy calling of Ephesians 5? How? Well, God shows us in our passage through three contrasts. Three contrasts. I want to see with you three contrasts that show us how. Contrast number one, I would call it seize the day. Seize the day for God's purposes. Notice the not but contrast in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk how you live, not, not as unwise, but, but as wise. So here's the contrast, not as unwise, but as wise. What does that mean? He tells us in the next verse, verse 16, making the best use of the time. Now that's not saying excel in time management. It's not saying become an incredible multitasker. This is marketplace terminology in this verse. You could translate it redeeming the time. Or I like buying up the opportunity. Buy up the opportunity. That's how you are wise in this passage. Buy up the opportunity. Redeem the time. Seize the day. Think of the pandemic buying spree on toilet paper. We had a family of eight at the time, a household of eight, so a shortage of toilet paper was a pretty big deal. I remember the relief when Sung found at the 99 cent store a pack of four. And then the overwhelming joy when at Costco, she found the big, huge pack of toilet paper. It's like, yes, baby, buy up that opportunity. Verse 16 is saying, that's how you should go through life. Here's wisdom. Buy up all the opportunities you can. Or maybe to put it more memorably, seize the day 
carpe diem, but with a big difference, the motivation in verse 16. Because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time. Buy up the opportunity. Seize the day, if you will, because the days are evil. The prince of the power of the air is now at work in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2 says. The world, this moral order opposed to God and the devil are arrayed against us. But, but the kingdom of King Jesus has broken into human history and is advancing. And if you are a Christian, you are part of that kingdom. You are a kingdom representative in this world. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ in this community called here to seize the day, redeem the time, buy up the opportunity for your king and his kingdom. Though the days are evil. See, you might be, you might be for those around you, you might be the only Christian they know, or one of the few. I was at the phone store last week. AT&T has decided to make my 3G phone obsolete soon. And so I went to the phone store to replace my 3G phone, which I loved. And the guy helping me, the kind man, asked me what I do for a living in case I qualify for a certain discount on a new phone. I said, I'm a pastor. He said, I have never met a pastor before. This guy works in retail. He deals with the public all day long. He seems to ask everyone what their occupation is. He says, I've never met a pastor. Made me wonder, how many Christians has he met? How few? perhaps. You see, friends, you are, you are like headlights on a car driving in a dark night. You shine with clarity into the confusion around you. Or to change the metaphor, the Apostle Paul said, we are the aroma of Christ, the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In our, in our bathroom at home, and I don't mean to have so many bathroom uh, illustrations today. Only two, I promise. In our bathroom at home, we have a little container of some kind of fragrant oil. And maybe you've seen these. They've got these, this, these large wooden wicks stuck in it. And I believe the wicks absorb the oil to give off the fragrance. And that's what we're to be and do. Soaking in Jesus, we are like these, these wicks in this world, giving off the aroma, the fragrance of Christ. That's how you buy up the opportunity. Every day, wherever you go, smelling like Jesus. You're to smell like Jesus at, at home, at school, at work, and right here in the church. Galatians 6, verse 10 Many point to as clarifying what our verse 
seems to allude to. Galatians 6.10 says, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You hear that? As you have opportunity, buy it up. Seize the day by doing good to everyone, especially the household of faith. It's smelling like Jesus on the campus, at home, at work, and right here. So what does that look like specifically and practically? We're called to redeem the time, buy up the opportunity, seize the day. What's that look like specifically? Well, contrast number two. Directed by God's will. Seize the day, secondly, directed by God's will. Here's the second not but contrast. Verse 17. Therefore, verse 17, do not, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Not foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Not God's secret will, not his will by which he decrees all things that sovereignly happen. This is God's revealed will, his revealed will revealed in his word. We could look back one chapter to Ephesians 4 and get an insight on the will of the Lord where we are told that we were taught in Jesus, taught in Jesus to, for instance, not lie, but speak the truth. If you feel anger, do not sin. Don't steal, but work and share and give. Let no corrupting words come out of your mouth, only what builds others up. And in Ephesians 5, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, not even named among you. That's the will of the Lord we are to understand. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. Who else but our creator knows what is truly good for you and me? You probably know the name Amy Winehouse. She was the British pop star who won multiple Grammy Awards, I believe five Grammys. She had an amazing voice, an incredible voice, who died tragically of alcohol poisoning at age 27. An amazing talent. Her song, You Know I'm No Good, speaks of her own infidelity. But she wrote, I cheated myself like I knew that I would. I cheated myself. Amy sang. I, I hurt myself, too. And she's right, isn't she? Because our sin harms others oftentimes and destroys ourselves. Teenagers, young people, children who are listening in, understand the will of the Lord revealed in his word because he knows what is best for you. You become wise, you Seize the day as you become like the psalmist in Psalm 119, who delights in God's revealed will. He prays, Psalm 119, verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, God, 
I delight, I delight as much as in all riches, as much as all the money in the world, I delight in God's revealed will in his word. Psalm 119.24, your testimonies are my delight, my delight. They are my counselors. They counsel me. Give me wisdom. Psalm 119.35, lead me in the path, the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. The pathway you lay out for me is best for me. When in some difficult situation, friends, or confusing situation, or tempting situation, maybe with a coworker or classmate or neighbor or spouse or child or friend, whatever the opportunity that you might buy up, there's one question you must ask. One question. What does Scripture say I am to do here? What do the Scriptures say? How am I to understand the will of the Lord revealed in His Word because He knows what is best for me? <clears throat> Might be. Don't lie, speak the truth. In your anger, don't sin. Don't steal, work, share, and give. Speak only what builds up. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. Sexual immorality not even named. And you will be buying up that opportunity. You, you will be smelling like Jesus. You'll be spreading the aroma of Christ. You'll be seizing the day being directed by God's will. See, the Christian life, like golf, <laughs> it's not all that complicated. But it's not easy. It's not easy. So what will enable us to do this? Left to ourselves and our own resources, we will be discouraged. We should be discouraged. We will be worn out. We will be weary. We will give up. What will help us or who will help us? That's Contrast number three, empowered by God's Spirit. Empowered by God's Spirit. Seize the day for God's purposes. Directed by God's will and empowered. Empowered by God's Spirit. Here's one last not but contrast. Verse 18. And do not, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's not a command for total abstinence from alcohol, but God is clearly prohibiting putting ourselves under the controlling influence, you might say, of alcohol or marijuana, or you fill in the blank, for that is debauchery or reckless living, as one translation puts it. And God gives, and God gives to us greater joys and greater pleasures and satisfaction as we are instead filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, the parallel in verse 18 is helpful. When someone is drunk with wine, we say he or she is under the influence the influence of the alcohol. When we're filled with the Spirit, we are under more of the influence of the Spirit. That's the parallel. We're under more of the Spirit's influence or 
power. Now, to be sure, all Christians are indwelt, you might say, by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 9. But here we are told to be filled. In fact, we are commanded to do so. This is an imperative, a command for all Christians at all times to obey, and it's in the present tense. That means it's to be ongoing. So you could translate this, be continually being filled with the Spirit. That's the command. Continue, ongoing, being filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, we are not We are not batteries that get charged up and then just hold the charge for a long time and run your phone or what have you. We are more like an appliance that is to be plugged in at all times. When asked why, he repeatedly prayed for the Spirit to fill him. D.L. Moody replied, because I leak. And so do you. So be continually filled with the Spirit. And as we are, three main results are described in this particular passage. Three results. First, renewed worship. Renewed worship, verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 19 is a result of the Spirit's filling. Verse 19 is grammatically connected to verse 18 in the command to be filled. So when the Spirit fills us, we will then be addressing one another, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the point here is not to parse out with exact technical uh, definitions, what's a psalm versus what's a hymn versus what's a spiritual song. The point here is to see the Spirit's effect on our lives. The point is to realize as the Spirit fills you, you will sing worship songs to one another and so build each other up. Isn't that a great reason to come on Sundays? Relatedly, the Spirit's filling results in singing, it says, and making melody to the Lord, to the Lord with your heart. Often, my first prayer as I begin my morning prayer walk is, Holy Spirit, please fill me. I need you. (laughs) That's the prayer of a weak man every day. Holy Spirit, please fill me. I need you. And recently I've noticed, almost unawares, I begin to sing the doxology as I start my prayer walk, I think through the influence of my friend Scott Moon. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you. And I find myself singing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You want to sing it with me? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I find myself singing that regularly. As I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you. 
The Spirit wants to fill you and renew worship. Second result, renewed thanksgiving. Renewed thanksgiving or gratefulness. Verse 20, giving thanks, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, grammatically connected back up with verse 18 in the command to be filled. So the Spirit fills you and alters your perspective. He shifts your reference point to see everything now through the prism of God's goodness to you giving thanks then to him. That doesn't mean, of course, we thank God for, let's say, evil things in the world. Joshua so appropriately prayed that there would be justice because there's so much injustice. doesn't mean we thank God when something evil's done to us per se. We don't thank him for the evil act. But it does mean in the midst of evil or suffering, we are empowered to give thanks by the Spirit, to say to God, you have not dealt with me as my sins deserve. You sent your Son for me, so in the midst of this pain, I can still thank you. It does mean in the midst of trial, we're empowered to recognize God's good purposes in trials and suffering and say thank you, thank you that in all things you work for the good of those who love you. It does mean in times of blessing, when things are going well. Yes, we thank him by the Spirit of God, saying every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from you, Father. I thank you. The filling of the Spirit produces gratefulness always. And for everything. Third result, renewed relationships. Renewed relationships. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, grammatically connected to verse 18 in the command to be filled. So another result of the Spirit's presence and power. Now, in the, in the sections of Ephesians, we're going to see in the next three weeks, verse 21 applied and lived out among husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves, as that was practiced in the Roman Empire. Before we see that, let's just take verse 21 on its own for a moment. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, in the, in the fear of Christ, in, in awe of Jesus. Doesn't that speak to the humility and meekness that is to characterize how we relate to each other? Verse 21 sounds to me a lot like Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant, more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then comes the reverence for Christ, having the mind of Christ, he says, having the mind of Christ who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, taking on our humanity, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Listen, the Spirit's power in your life is seen when the cross of Christ is stamped on how we relate to each other. 
when the Spirit fills us, one result will be the crucifixion of Jesus increasingly defines how we relate. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Christian life is not all that complicated, is it? It's not hard to understand, but it's not easy. And yet notice, notice something important. This is not get your act together and then the Spirit will fill you. Clean yourself up and the Spirit will fill you. No, this is the Spirit fills you that you might live differently. Do you see that? He fills you, resulting in empowering you for renewed worship, renewed thanksgiving, and renewed relationships. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a trained physician and famous preacher, he once pointed out how alcohol is a depressant, so medically or physiologically speaking. Alcohol is a depressant. But here in this passage, the Holy Spirit is a stimulant. <laughs> he stimulates living differently. The Christian life is supernatural that way, friends. Listen, your experience of the Spirit from day to day will vary. Mine does. But the Christian life here is described as being supernatural. Christ died for your new covenant experience of the Spirit's presence and power. Your Savior purchased your experience of the Savior's presence and power. If you are His, you can be certain He wants to fill you. So ask Him. Ask Him. You might say, drink more of the Spirit, letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. Yes, for sure. And also ask it. He commands us here to be filled. Will He not fill you? So ask Him. Seize the day, brothers and sisters, for God's purposes, directed by God's will. And empowered, empowered by God's Spirit. So let's seek Him together right now as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. In doing so, I want to add one last thing. In Ephesians, there also seems to be a connection between being filled and the prayer Paul prays in Ephesians 3. And I want to make this connection as we take the Lord's Supper. In Ephesians 3, he prays that, quote, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my prayer as we take the Lord's Supper together. I want you to make it yours, if you would. By the Spirit, we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and so be filled with all the fullness of God. Would you pray that with me, please?
And right where you are in the silence of your heart, ask the Spirit of God to fill you. If you are not yet a Christian, not yet trusting in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, ask him for that first. Turn from going your own way and trust in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come to God through Christ alone, and he promises to receive you. And for the rest, ask him to fill you right now. To encourage your heart. To help you sing with gladness. To help you give thanks always and for everything. And helping us to relate in humility and meekness, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And knowing his love right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do pray that by the Spirit, even now, Holy Spirit, by your illuminating work, we would know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God, as we take the bread and the cup together, would you grant that to us, please? In Jesus' name, amen.